0: Hello, 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 Miami Dolphin fans. Welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Well, Brain, the pieces have moved, things have happened. There have been storylines, there have been narratives, there have been debates, there have been conversations, but we have finally arrived at the week one Miami Dolphins preview show on the same old Dolphin show, because this Sunday, the Miami Dolphins are playing football, and it's real football, well, at least it's football that will count on their official record. The Dolphins, the the, the Greer-Flores era begins in earnest this Sunday as the Baltimore Ravens come to Hard Rock Stadium to take on the Miami Dolphins. Are you pumped for this or what? I'm
1: excited. I mean, I'm always excited that there's actual football, meaningful football. I'm excited to see my team out there and actually, you know, really start to understand what this team is going to look like under Brian Flores, the new schemes, the new players. I want to see it. As far as the season, look, the expectations are low. It's probably going to be a very tough season to watch, but I'm excited that there's actual football, meaningful football that's going to take place. So yeah, I'm excited.
0: Great. Well, before we get to our preview of the game, I guess we probably need to talk on, touch base on, anyway, the uh, the news that, Came out over the week since we last recorded. And I mean, the hits keep coming with this team. We thought maybe, uh, everything was done by the time, you know, the initial 53 man roster was set. But then the Dolphins released Vincent Taylor. They released several others, including John Denny. Uh, and it, this team is just getting younger and younger and younger and less and less talented. Um, what was your reaction to the Vincent Taylor? And John Denny news.
1: Yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird. I, I get it that Vincent Taylor is not exactly a scheme fit. Um, more of a one gap guy, Uh, you know, in his first couple of years meant to get after the quarterback. And that's not necessarily what we're asking our defensive line linemen to do, especially our defensive tackles in this scheme. But... He's still, I mean, this is a guy that was a productive player in his first two seasons. And yes, he battled injuries. And yes, he's had issues with conditioning that, you know, probably limit his upside because he's not going to be this guy that plays 40, 50, 60 snaps in a game. And he's probably only going to play 25 to 30 snaps. But this is a guy that was drafted in the fifth round and over his first two seasons in the league... In partial playing time, in getting 25 snaps a game, roughly, he's flashed on the screen just about every week that he's been out there. And a lot of people thought this, th- this year was a potential of a breakout year for him. Now, look, the scheme fit, I get it. Um, maybe, maybe this is health related, but it just feels to me like, you know, this is a talented player. Yeah, he's got conditioning issues, but maybe this is like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it and say, and, and say something that I don't know. Cause I don't know if he had any kind of backlash with the, with the coaches or if they weren't getting along or, or something. But I do know that he was sitting on the, uh, on the third team for much of the preseason. So I think that really probably this has more to do with conditioning and scheme fit. Than anything else, but it's just weird to me because we're thin on the defensive line and you're, t- and you're taking a talented player and you're letting him go. And I mean, he's going to get picked up somewhere. And to me, he's, he's a player that's going to contribute wherever he goes. Uh, so I, I was not a fan of that move. And I, I think you look, we're all, liking the whole regime change and it's a they're doing things differently and it's very easy to just say hey it's a new sheriff in town we're doing the culture change thing but let's be honest when Adam Gase was here he made some moves that really kind of made us scratch our heads when he didn't get along with players and, you know, whether it was the, the Jordan Phillips move or the, um the Byron Maxwell move or the Jay Ajayi. At the beginning, everybody kind of gave Adam Gase the benefit of the doubt and they said, Oh, well, he's trying to change the culture. He's trying to change the culture. And at the end of it, it you had a disturbing trend and you had a whole, uh, locker room that basically, uh, you know, formed a mutiny against him. So. I'm not saying that that's what's going on here. But we'd probably be killing out Adam Gase for a move like that. But we're all going to kind of give uh Brian Flores the benefit of the doubt. I'm just saying, make a mental note of it. Because this is a talented player that they just let go for nothing. And I feel like... You know, at the very least, you could have kept this guy around, let him flash a couple of plays out there, and could have traded, could have gotten something for him. Maybe, you know, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick. A Hell, get a, get the seventh-round pick that you gave up to get these uh, these guards, you know, Isadora and Bohm that you got from Minnesota and, and Indianapolis, respectively. You gave up seventh-round picks for those guys. You can't get anything from Vincent Taylor to keep who? I mean, to, it's not like to keep some mediocre offensive linemen on the, on this roster. It's a strange move. It's a head scratcher to me. Uh they also went ahead and cut uh, you know, not just John Denny, but uh Nate Orchard, who I think, you know, we were all really impressed with this offseason. One of the few like guys that seem to consistently get after the quarterback. Apparently, you know, we're not uh You know they're not valuing the edge rusher. I know that. You know there's other things in this. And they want their defensive linemen to be able to hold at the point at the point of attack and dent the edge. But it seemed by all accounts that Nate Orchard had a great preseason. Tank Carradine had a great preseason. It's just it's head scratching and it just makes me feel like you know maybe they maybe they are just legitimately tanking this thing.
0: It, it's certainly possible. I mean, that's, if that is in fact what they're doing, it makes more sense than perhaps any of the other options for what it is that they're thinking. But regardless, the roster is getting thinned out and, uh, the Dolphins with whatever, whoever they've got left there, uh, you know, basically it's, it's, It's just a lot of really young, unproven talent. And who knows? Maybe some of these guys are going to show up and, and big things will happen. That's sort of one of the things to look forward to this season is who is going to be the guy that we don't know about right now, who's going to show up and turn out to be a great player on this team. That's, those are going to be the things that we watch this season. But, you know, when, when you've got a team of unproven players, and a team full of players, particularly on the offensive line, that has just been bossed around, it doesn't bode well when the Baltimore Ravens come to town. The Ravens being a team that the Dolphins historically have not fared very well against. Although, you know, I saw I saw an interesting tweet that somebody sent out, which said that everybody says that this Dolphins roster is the worst roster since two thousand seven. Do you remember the one team the Dolphins beat in two thousand seven? Of course, how could you forget
1: on the goal line, you know, Brian Billick electing to to kick the field goal to to force overtime instead of going for the win. And then in overtime, Greg Camarillo,
0: Miami Dolphins legend, Greg Camarillo,
1: Wayne Heisinga crying in the booth next to newly
0: hired Bill Parcells. It was a time those Miami Dolphins in 2007 beat the Baltimore Ravens. Is that what's going to happen this Sunday? Doubtful, but, you know. Tell us what we need to be looking at in this game, Brand. When the Dolphins are on defense, we'll start there because this is where they're probably the strongest. One of the things that historically the Dolphins have struggled against is quarterbacks who can move, and Lamar Jackson is one of those very quarterbacks who can move. I guess really... If I had to, if I had to make an assumption here, the thing that the way that the Dolphins are going to have success against this Ravens team is forcing Lamar Jackson to throw the ball because he's not as, he has not proven to be quite as adept as a passer as he is as a scrambler, as a runner. Um, so if the Dolphins can. Could force him into throwing the ball. Maybe they can force some errors and, uh, you know, that, that secondary can do what they do. But, uh, what are, what are you expecting to see when the Ravens have the ball? Look, the Ravens
1: want to run the ball. Uh, Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, you, you might remember. He was the offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers back when Jim Harbaugh was there when they were getting to the Super Bowl and making runs into the NFC title game back when Colin Kaepernick was at the helm and they were running the ball down people's throats with whether it was between Kaepernick and Frank Gore. They're going to run the ball. They, they can power you. They, they can overpower you. It's what they want to do. And then the, the addition of a guy like Lamar Jackson really has to, it, it really freezes you because you have to respect his ability to get out on the edge. You always have to be cognizant of him. That means you're probably going to have to be spying him, uh, probably going to be with, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's Jerome Baker spying him at times. Maybe it's a, Agua, a Guavin. Maybe it's Raquan McMillan who returned back to practice this week, but they're going to have to be keying on Lamar Jackson. And at the same time, they have to be ready for Mark Ingram because Mark Ingram is a solid running back who, uh, is, is nifty at times. He's explosive at times. He's not like this home run threat guy, but he, he's, he's a good enough running back that as a feature back uh you know he he's a legitimate probably top 15 top 20 back in this league uh so he's a guy that can beat you you know for chunks of yards if you're not ready for him especially when you're when you're worried about uh about Lamar Jackson and what makes it a little trickier is that the ravens have added some speed to the outside now they don't have by any stretch a great receiving core uh, you know, Willie Sneed and, and Hollywood Brown, they're, they're, starting receivers. Willie Sneed has mostly been a third and fourth receiver in his career with the Saints. And he, he steps into a starting role with this team. But Hollywood Brown, uh, they picked him in the first round is a speed guy with reliable hands. Uh, but he's a rookie and he had a Liz Frank injury that he was slow to come back from. He played in the last two preseason games, but he was only targeted three times. So there's a learning curve there. And you would figure... I mean, I don't know that Xavier and Howard will necessarily shadow anybody in this game, but between Howard and Fitzpatrick and Rowe, you should feel confident going into it that we'll be able to slow down their passing attack. So it really comes down to uh you know between our d-line and our linebackers can we hold up against a physical running team like like the baltimore ravens can we win the battle in the trenches and can we keep lamar jackson contained Uh, particularly when he drops back to pass when you face a quarterback like lamar jackson it's not necessarily about getting pressure on him and sacking him it In all likelihood, probably the best thing that you could do is contain him, keep him in the pocket, and force him to throw the ball. So uh, I think that's what the strategy is going to be. I think the Dolphins, there's a recipe for success. It's contain, clog up the middle, stop the run, don't let Lamar Jackson become a factor outside of the pocket, keep big plays down to a minimum. Uh, and make Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm because to, to this point in his career, and he's done a lot of work in the preseason and in the offseason to try to improve his accuracy and his downfield throwing, but to this point in his career, he has he is unproven as a throwing quarterback. He's unproven as a guy that can beat you with his arm as opposed to his legs. So don't let him beat you with his legs. Make him beat you
0: with his arm. What about when the Dolphins have the ball? This is the thing that... I just have zero expectations for this offense. I just, I don't know. Maybe they can, maybe they can find a way to get something done, but I just, I just don't see how this offense is going to produce much of anything at all against this Baltimore defense.
1: The bad news is the 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 Baltimore Ravens were the number one defense in the league last year. The good news is they lost some guys. They lost C.J. Mosley. They lost Terrell Suggs. They lost uh, Eric Weddle those are those are captains on their defense so they might not be as good as they were a year ago defensively but they're still going to probably be a top 10 defense and you can pretty much bank on them being an above average defense so where Miami's going to have a lot of trouble is probably. Look, our offensive line is a mess. We're going to be starting. Uh, what's his name? Julian Davenport, the guy that we got back in the Houston from the Houston Te- Texans in the in Miami the Dolphins
0: legend Julian Davenport.
1: Yeah, he's a guy that gave up twelve sacks last year. Um, he's expected to be our left tackle, but he might not be ready. And if he's not ready. Our starting left tackle is going to be Jesse Davis, who hasn't played very much left tackle. And when asked by reporters uh, about, well, how easy is it to move over from right tackle to left tackle? He said, how easy is it to learn to write with your other hand? You know, if you're right-handed, how easy is, easy is it to write left-handed? So this bodes really well for us. So
0: it's it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. Um, should we have, should we have like a coroner or something on standby for this game? Because Ryan Fitzpatrick, this poor guy, there's a decent chance that we're going to see Josh Rosen in this game. My God. And the reason being
1: that there's a decent chance that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't make it out of, out of this game, uh, you know, healthy because. The quarterback is going to be under duress. Now, what we saw in the preseason from Fitzpatrick, where he probably had a better, he probably did a better job than Rosen as a whole, was seeing that pressure, understanding that, you know, having that mental clock and speeding it up in his head and being more decisive. I think Fitzpatrick will mitigate those things, Uh, you know, and... I I expect Miami to really, really try to run the ball. I I think this is going to be Miami trying to like, hey, let's play smash mouth football. If we can get the running game going and just try to keep them off balance with counters and draws and screens and things like that, try to control the clock. And then if we can keep it close, on defense we could try to shorten this game and just try to have this be a close game going into the fourth quarter where one big play is all you need one turnover that kind of thing and that's going to be the recipe for this team to win games all year long because they're not going to be able to just go out there and out talent people <laughs> we're, we, if, it, if it was about talent we're going to go 0-16 we've got to out scheme teams we got to play disciplined we got to be physical And we gotta try to shorten the game and turn it into these one possession games where it just comes down to making the right play at the right time. And that, that's what it's gonna come down to in this game. If we're able to run the ball, we're gonna have a chance. If we're unable to run the ball and we fall behind early, it's gonna get real, real ugly, real, real quick. I think, uh, I think we've got some opportunities. Um, I think, you know, the, the reverse game, the wide receiver screens, things like that. The Ravens, one thing we didn't, they have a great pass rush. They bring a lot of blitzes. Uh, Don Wink Martindale, their, their defensive coordinator, known for, you know, sending a lot of pressures, kind of a similar defensive scheme to what the Dolphins run. The other thing that they've got is they've got three really good cornerbacks. And Earl Thomas at safety. So it's not like they're going to be the kind of team that's easy to throw the ball on downfield. So you're going to have to try to, to stretch them out horizontally, make some big plays in that, you know, whether it's with jet sweeps, reverses, bubble screens, and then just to stretch them horizontally and then try to gash them up the middle with, with Drake and Balaj and Walton. Um, that, that's kind of where their opportunities come. If, if, if we fall behind in this game and we're down by like two touchdowns at any point and we have to give up on the run game, when those, when they start pinning their ears back and coming after Fitzpatrick and he's trying to throw the ball downfield against tight coverage, it's not only, you know, uh, sacks waiting to happen, but it's turnovers waiting to happen. So it, it could get ugly real quick, uh, if, if we fall behind early. All right. So give us your score prediction for this one. So I know I said in the preview show, I could see this game being, being really ugly. I don't think it'll be as bad as, you know, what Baltimore did to Buffalo in the season opener last year when they beat them 47 to three. But I think it's going to be a struggle. I think it's one where Miami might kind of hang in there for a half and kind of make things interesting. But come the second half, at some point, Baltimore is going to get their, they're going to they're going to build enough of a lead and at some point Miami's going to have to try to go for something and that's when the game's going to get away from them i got baltimore winning this game big i'm going to call it 30 to 6
0: yeah my prediction isn't much better than that i predict baltimore is going to get this win 26 to 9 on Sunday, you can hear uh, read some thoughts from me on that on DolphinsTalk.com where uh, Tom is going to be putting up Tom Ernest, who was on the last episode of the show, is putting together uh, a weekly column where he's getting some of the staff at DolphinsTalk.com to 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 write a little paragraph about the their thoughts on the upcoming game and to make a score prediction. So uh I I put together a little paragraph there. It's really less about my thoughts on the game and really more about my thoughts on the season and heading into week one. But you'll want to check up that check out that article on dolphinstalk.com. It should be coming out probably sometime during the day on Friday. So if you're listening to this Friday morning, uh it should be up sometime uh later later in the day okay so before we wrap up this episode which typically the preview show is just an ep- a quick little preview of the upcoming game but it's week one so we like to go around the divisions and 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 pick our division winners and our wild card teams and then make our Super Bowl predictions so brain uh, take us through the AFC who are your AFC division winners and wild card teams just real quick real quick hits. Yeah, I, AFC East uh
1: I got it still the
0: Patriots until
1: until proven otherwise they're going to win that division. I do think Buffalo uh is an interesting team that could challenge them this year. I'm not a fan of the Jets, but I like New England uh in the north. Uh I've been between Baltimore and Cleveland kind of Pittsburgh. I think Cleveland's going to get it done. I I think I think they're going to get it done. I think 11 wins is going to be what it takes. And I think there, I think Cleveland will get it done there. They might even be able to do it with ten wins um, in the AFC South. I mean, Indy was my pick until until the Andrew Luck uh, retirement. Now, especially with uh, getting Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills, and really going for it this year, I'm gonna say Houston gets the job done and beats out Jacksonville for the AFC South title. And in the AFC West, look, they got to get the Melvin Gordon thing figured out, but there's just too much talent on that San Diego roster and I think this is the last good chance for for Philip Rivers to really to 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 get to the Super Bowl. And I got Philip Rivers winning the in and, and the San Diego well, I'm sorry, the LA Chargers. I'm still doing it. it's it's been what two years now uh I still uh like the LA Chargers to win the uh, AFC West
0: all right and uh for for me I'm I I like the Chiefs out West I think the Chiefs will win the West um in the South I agree with you that it's going to be the Texans if it's not the Texans Bill O'Brien is losing his job uh I think in the north I I always like the Steelers it's hard to bet against them even though I like the look of the Browns I think there's also potential for the Browns to uh, hit a wall at some point in four I, you know I, we're going to really see what that family is made of because there's a lot of personalities on that team and if things aren't going perfectly well for the Browns this year I, I, it could be a lot of drama over there um and I think of course obviously the Patriots are going to win the AFC East uh, my wildcard teams are in fact the Los Angeles Chargers, formerly of San Diego, and the other team that I like. I actually like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm going to pick the Jaguars as my sixth seed in the AFC. Who are your wild cards over there?
1: Yeah, this is tough. I think it's going to be a lot of teams jumbled up, really fighting for those wild cards. I do like Kansas City to get one of the wild card spots. And the other wild card spot, I... I, you know, I got between, between Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Buffalo. I got those teams really, really battling it out. And I'm going to say that I, I agree with you. I like Jacksonville as a, as a pick to get a wild card spot with that defense in that division. Uh, I like, you know, with the schedule that they've got, I like Jacksonville to get, uh, to get the wild card spot, the last wild card spot.
0: In the NFC, I'm going to go with the Rams again to come out of the West. Uh, I'm going to pick the Saints to come out of the South, out of the North. Uh, basically, we're recording this on Thursday night, and neither the Packers nor the Bears look particularly good, but I'm going to go ahead with the Bears to win the NFC North. And the NFC East, I think, is going to be the Cowboys division. So I've got the Cowboys, Bears, Saints, Rams your wild card teams in the NFC I'm gonna go with the Seattle Seahawks and oh boy this is another one that's tough because there's a lot of teams that I think could be in the mix there um I can't see the Atlanta Falcons being bad two years in a row so I'm gonna say the Falcons are going to get the sixth seed in the NFC
1: yeah, I got Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia and Dallas are going to be battling for that NFC East uh division all year long. I think that you could make the case that those are the two best teams in the NFC. They're definitely two of the most talented teams, two great defenses, two great offensive lines. Uh I think the difference between the two teams is that I believe in Carson Wentz more than Dak Prescott. So I like Philadelphia winning the NFC East. Uh, the NFC North, I think is wide open between Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago. Uh, I like Minnesota to have a bounce back year, and I like the Minnesota Vikings to win this division. Uh, I think this is another division that because it is so competitive, uh, I think 10 wins might be all it takes to win this division. Every, every one of those teams between Minnesota, Chicago, Green Bay, Uh, obviously there's Detroit down there, but I think they're, they're a step below those other teams. All of those teams have flaws. Uh, but I think Minnesota is probably the closest to a complete team. So I like them to win the division in the NFC South. I think the Saints are as good a bet as you can find. Uh, that just, you know, Drew Brees on a mission going into his last year, you know, doing the whole, uh, retirement tour. And then in the NFC West, last year's NFC champs the the Los Angeles Rams they shouldn't you know they they lose in Dominican Sue, but they still got Aaron Donald over there they still got plenty of talent on defense and they are loaded on offense with now newly inked uh to uh the largest guaranteed money contract in NFL history Jared Goff now signed up at quarterback I do think the Rams repeat as NFC West champs as far as the wild card Uh, Obviously, I've got Dallas uh, winning one wild card spot, and I think it'll be really competitive for that second wild card spot. I think Atlanta's got a shot at it. I think uh, you know Carolina has a shot at it, Seattle, uh, as well as uh, you know the aforementioned Packers and Bears. I think this is the year. This is the kind of year where if you don't win, I I think there's going to be a team that wins ten games in the NFC that doesn't make the playoffs. I think that's going to happen this year. Oof, that's um, that's rough. It, it happened to the Dolphins. Oh, I you know, remember. Once. And then the one year that the Dolphins made the playoffs, when we won the division, it actually happened to the Patriots.
0: Yeah. Well, let me, let me tell you about how bad I feel about the Patriots <laughs> not making the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. That's the uh, last time I'm they getting, didn't make the playoffs, isn't it?
1: That's like the only time that the Patriots haven't made the playoffs in uh like fifteen years or something yeah, like that. Cry me a friggin' river. Yeah. I guess that second wild card spot. I like Seattle. I like Seattle to to take that. I think their defense along with Russell Wilson, I just think I think they'll get it done. I don't trust Atlanta. I think they'll put up points, but I, I just don't trust that defense. I think Carolina is interesting, but I don't know so much about Cam Newton. If he just, I, you know, I, the older he gets, the more hits he takes. He seems to be banged up every year. I don't know if I could trust him. And then look at Chicago and Green Bay. They're going to be there. You know what? I, I, I changed my mind. I'm going to take Green Bay, Green Bay over Seattle for that second wild card.
0: All right. So what's your Super Bowl
1: matchup? My Super Bowl matchup is. Phillip Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers getting over the hump, getting to the Super Bowl, and taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Part of me really would like to see Phillip Rivers versus Drew Brees in that matchup against you know, former teammates, you know, the Chargers and the Saints. But I, I'm picking the Chargers and the Eagles, and I've got the Los Angeles Chargers taking home would this be the first ever title for the city first ever NFL title for the city of LA did they win the title when they when the Raiders won it back in the in in the 80s no I think those
0: were those were Oakland Raiders teams
1: I I think so I don't think they ever won in in LA so I think this is going to be the first ever Super Bowl championship for an NFL team in Los Angeles
0: well I uh I, I see a different scenario. I see the New Orleans Saints going to the Super Bowl and taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I see Drew Brees getting his Super Bowl ring and the storybook ending to his storied career. He uh, wins the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl MVP, retires in his post-game interview, and says, I'm going to Disney World. And that is the end of Drew Brees' career by winning the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I look forward to it. I look forward to it even more because the Patriots aren't going to be there. It's fantastic. At any rate, that is week one. That is the preview show for week one on the same old Dolphin Show. Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain. And I am, of course, Amplified to Rock on Twitter. The show is at Same Old Dolphins, Facebook.com slash Old Dolphins, where every episode of the show is, of course, available on dolphinstalk.com. Leave a review uh and a rating when you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. We're also on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Find us where you get your podcasts if we're somewhere where you normally like to get your podcast and we're not there holler at us we'll figure out a way to make it happen we're on all those places dolphins talk.com as well as i mentioned make sure you look keep an eye out for that uh article that uh, we have coming up with the dolphins talk.com staff previewing the dolphins ravens game and then the brain and i will be back after the first miami dolphins game of the season The Greer Flores era begins, and we will be back here to talk to you all about it after it happens. In the meantime, take care of yourselves and each other, and we will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!